Welcome to the second episode of Texting from the Bathroom. Today, I am sharing an interview I recorded when I was going through the Akimbo podcasting workshop, back when this entire show was nothing more than just a dream inside my head. I cannot recommend this workshop enough. Seth Godin and Alex DePalma give students all the tools and information you need to build a podcast. But the experience provides a safe, supportive, and encouraging community. It took me from zero to where I am right now. Because we were still in the middle of the workshop when this interview was recorded, you may hear a few terms that might be a little unfamiliar. My cohort was called Pod7 because it was the seventh workshop for podcasting. The structure is built upon a combination of daily lessons, weekly Zoom calls, and extensive peer feedback. For support, you have people called coaches and other folks that they've named all-stars who are alumni of the workshop who come back to be a part of the process again. Okay, enough plugging of the workshop and on to my guests. Rob Slater is an orthodontist by day, a father of three boys, and the host of Dad Sofa, a weekly podcast about everything from spaghetti to string theory. Let's go check it out. Thank you again. I know we don't we don't know a ton about each other. I mean, I just know what I've seen on the board, but if yeah. you wouldn't mind telling me a little bit about, you know, where you're from and about your yeah. podcast, I, I'd love to know more. Yeah, I'm. I'm. My name's Rob, and I live in Birmingham in the UK. And I am in my normal job. I'm an orthodontist, and I have two two businesses. That uh, one is that that's just about to launch. And I started doing podcasting more because I knew that with the new business, I may have to be on camera and do do some work like that where I need to find my voice. So. That was the primary reason for doing the the workshop. And then while on the workshop, you kind of get swept along with the uh, the waves that come over you of the lessons and the prompts and everybody else's enthusiasm. And so you start making an imagined idea come to reality. And so one of the one of the days I was recording, I couldn't get my environment right. It was very echoey. So I just posted on the board that I was giving up this studio idea and I'd come back to Dad's sofa to record there. And immediately, um, one of the all-stars, actually, Karen Morgan, um, who's on Pod 7, said that uh, domain name is available on, um, on GoDaddy. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I bought the URL and then from there I started to... Uh, do these 60 second pieces, which were just 60 seconds and where you just do a 60 second audio and then post it. And the first one I did, I talked about spaghetti at the very end. And so I decided that I would do spaghetti as my subject every single day. And, (laughs) but varying the way that I talked about it. And so I did 30 days of spaghetti, by which time I think everybody was uh, becoming quite amused by 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 that, and uh, then I, I thought, well, actually, it's quite. It got me talking about lots of different interesting subjects uh, that occurred to me, and so that's where the idea for for Dad Sofa came from. Is just sort of uh, interesting things uh, that uh, that that crop up and uh, and that are worth chatting about. 
And so I started off talking about string theory, which relates to spaghetti, of course. <laughs> I can relate it to spaghetti. And so we just talked about lots of um, different ideas. And so sometimes it could be about uh, how music relates to physics and why there are lots of people who are physicists who are musicians and vice versa. Like lots of, lots of musicians are interested in physics. And so it's just the, those sorts of subjects that crop up and uh, are of interest to, uh, to me. And uh, now it seems that there are quite a few people around the world listening to it. So, um, so yeah, it's quite good fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> About how long are your episodes? Well, I decided to do something along the lines of between five and ten minutes. So it's the kind of thing that you can listen to if you're going to the shops. And so you might listen to it while you're doing your shopping, then come back home, and then it's, it's, it's done. And I think I might do some interviewing at some stage. So I might, if I do that, it would have to be somebody, I think, very specific. And if I do that, then I, I, it's hard to say, really. I think the, the, the regularity of my podcasts is important. And lots of people who listen say, I really like the fact that they always come out at 12 o'clock on Saturday. And so <clears throat> I, think, I think I want to keep with that. But um, if I do some interviewing, then it will probably be a bonus episode that I might, might put in uh, during the week or something like that so that people can, uh, can listen to that when they've got time. Well, that's awesome. Dad's sofa. My, my dad had a, he had a chair more than a sofa. It was uh, the recliner type. Yeah. <laughs> and it was <laughs> firmly... His, I mean, after a time, no one else really wanted it because it was so worn and, you know, old. And, uh, it was just him and the dog mainly <laughs> that were interested in it. And now he has no no dad chair and he's been campaigning for a new dad chair. The very proper couch that my mother has acquired is not meeting his needs. So, <laughs> so when you said dad sofa, it immediately took me to my own father and sort of his little piece of the living room that was his <laughs> yeah it's funny because when i start when covid uh, case it's covid hit there'll be a certain place that i would go every day and my wife has an office so she would go to the office and i would generally go to the same place in the kitchen and and start doing my work from home and so i was always in this same place which was this sofa and it was my wife that had bought it and there's this furry kind of rug with a leopard skin pattern on it and so that's draped over the, the sofa. And because I think with COVID, it's become a kind of Groundhog Day thing where you just seem to be mm. doing the same thing every day, same place. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the sofa idea became quite fixed in our family life. And of course, it was me who was always sitting on the thing. And so not only have I got dad's sofa, but I've even got you know, mugs with the, uh, with, the, with the sort of logo on as well. Oh, is that a leopard? pattern behind so you a, yeah leopard skin pattern draped over the settee <laughs> <laughs> oh that's wonderful i love that art <laughs> my, yeah well it, again this is another thing that came out of the workshop is we were uh, discussing our and this will come uh, discussing our artwork how we do that sometimes people get professionals to help them put it together um, but uh, it started with one, one one girl who was doing something on uh, buddhism and she'd drawn this really good picture of um, her, and she was meditating. And I thought it was really good. 
So I said something to her explaining why I wouldn't do it. And she said, I think you've just described your artwork for Dad Sofa. So she challenged me to do it. And so I went away, scribbled on the back of an envelope. And then I literally just copied the scribble that I'd done. And then uh, somebody else came in and said, I think it was Jewel who's helping out on this workshop, said, um, Hernan Branderman, he's, um, he's very good. He might help you with it. And so suddenly Hernan came in, uh, who again is one of the all-stars. He came in and um, he, he photoshopped the image, got the dad sofa with the S behind my head and, oh. um, and then put the yellow, put, imprinted the black into this yellow as well. And it started to look quite, quite sort of professional, really. So it was actually a, an evolution over a week of various people coming in and uh, making suggestions. And uh, so, so that's, how, that's how that came about. Wow. I'm really, I'm looking forward to every week. I, you know, because I don't know what's coming. It's my first time going through yeah. this process. So every week I'm like, what are they going to ask <laughs> us? And, and I hear little snippets. So it's, it's exciting and a little scary, but... <laughs> But both at once. So I'm just trying to trust the process because it seems to have worked for a bunch of people. I mean, I, I look at all the all stars and, you know, people who are maybe even going through the process for the second time and it, it's working. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it does. And, and I think that there are there are very sticking points for for all, all of us, really. And I think one of them for me was that point of publishing, because um, you start to you come into the workshop and you feel nervous and scared but then suddenly you realize how safe the place is and how helpful everybody is and mm -hmm. so then you start to put things out there on there and then the next stage is actually publishing it so that it gets outside this sort of safe place and so suddenly you're in that new area of the uh, the, the real world and so the publishing part for me was that uh, one of one of those sort of nervy nervy areas but um i i just decided in the end i'm just going to follow these steps forget about all of the noise on the outside just follow mm. these steps and uh, one by one I did them and then suddenly it's all it's out there so yeah it was yeah I mean we'll all I mean as long as we're following along we'll all get there in in this crew yeah. so like I said scary yeah. but exciting and you know and it'll it'll be whatever <laughs> whatever yeah. it'll be I'm very interested in sort of getting things out of my head and sort of out into the world. Mm. I mean, I think COVID for me kind of lit that fire being in my house since it was Friday the 13th, actually last March. So it's almost a year. Yeah. I said, you know, I need to do something that's more than just remote work and yeah. remote school. <laughs> and I don't know how it is for, for you. You, you said you have how many children? Well, three, three and they're how old? Well, Tom's 19, so he's at university now. Okay. Um, so he's in Bristol, and we've been um, not, we haven't seen much of him uh, really. Um, so he's more kind of uh, doing things online, putting money into his bank account kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest way we can help him. <laughs> and uh, we've communicated quite a lot more. And I think it's, it's given him the value of family, actually. I think now he comes back and really likes it when he's home it sort of really mm. feels like a, you know, a nice place to be back whereas I think before COVID uh, he wouldn't really have thought about it like that and was really wanting to get away from the house and uh, then the, Dan and uh, Joe are, um, well Joe's 13 and uh, Dan is 
16, nearly 17. So he's doing his, his um, A-levels, which get you ready to go to university in the UK. Uh, so he's doing that. And they're quite, I think, reasonably well self-motivated. Um, we, we do, I think sometimes we try and we try to give them the choice as to when they need help, really, rather than just diving in and helping them. Mm. And there are certain things that happen. Obviously, if reports come through, then we can sort of discuss about that. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's been a strange year because they're, they're, they're having some direction from school, but it's nowhere near the same. And it's been interesting to see how the different schools have reacted to it as well. Some mm. seem to be more prepared and doing a lot more than others. Uh, not quite so much. And obviously, it's very difficult with teachers not necessarily always being able to get into school themselves to uh, to to do their work. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how it's it's been for you where you are. For us, it's it's been very localized. A lot of local decisions. So there's at least mm. one district that I'm aware of where students are there every day with the staff. They're there, and then where I am, they're not. Everything is at home. The teachers are at home. There's some staff that I believe is going into the building for things like if the students need like a new laptop cord or they switch mm. out their books occasionally. But I mean, there's just empty buildings all over. Mm. So I'm not sure what that's looked like or if it's been off and on for your sons. We've mostly, they've mostly been, um, we've had during this third phase of lockdown, they've been at home and there was a period where they were going into school. And when they were going to school, they were, it was fairly similar, really. The schools in, in England are tending to follow the guidance from the English government. So there are slight variations between Wales and Scotland. The, the two schools that uh, our two boys are at um, are acting in very similar ways in terms of whether they're closed down completely or just open for key workers, uh, children, so people, nurses, doctors, that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, so there's so there's a few there are a few children at school but not not that many and uh, hopefully we have an announcement coming on Monday uh, which will inform when the uh, schools are opening again but I think the plan is that nursery schools will start to open from March the 8th and then there'll be people who are in the important years leading up to exams will probably start after that and it'll be a phased return uh, hopefully as as people are being vaccinated. Mm. Yeah. What do you think was the the biggest shift for your your kids when all of this happened and they had to start making the changes? I think the hardest time was in, in the very early stages because I think they were quite happy. Certainly, Dan was very happy at home, and the 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 shift that they made was suddenly they had to be online at a particular mm. time and i think that can be quite difficult to get them into a a good habit of not necessarily just rolling out of bed and sitting in front of a um a, a computer and then staying there for a particular amount of time but as time went on they they got better at this sort of routine of getting up coming downstairs having something to eat and then going back up and they both seem to have found that it suits them better in a way because they work harder mm. in that they can get things done without the disturbances that happen in the classroom normally. So they've, uh, they've both found that that's been a benefit to them. And 
the other thing that Dan has found difficult is that he met a girl while he was, uh, <laughs> because he was switching from the sort of the, the main school to senior school where he's doing these A-levels. And so it's a point where people take exams to, or, or depending on how well they do in their exams, uh, they can then get into this school. And so there's a competitive entry into this school. So while Dan was uh, trying to defend his place at, at the school, there were new people arriving. And one of them contacted him to find out what the school was like. And it happened to be this girl. And so they ended up chatting, texting. Mm. And so it was quite tricky for him because in September, when they were all starting school, he had to meet her for the first time. <laughs> and he'd known her for about six months by that stage. <laughs> so so it's quite a new thing really and so I think that was quite that was one of the things he found quite difficult but um they're now you know getting on very well in fact they're actually out together at the moment so uh, so it's really quite nice to see that relationship blossoming oh my I mean I even hear about similar things with adults and I, I said wow COVID's really bringing back courtship here because <laughs> you have to spend some time and if you do decide to take a risk and meet someone in person, you have to be absolutely sure that it's worth it. So I'm, I'm like, I don't know, our love poems going to start coming back. And like, you know, what does this mean? Because, you know, online dating, at least here, it's thriving, but it's complicated. So it's funny. It was almost like a little, little sliver of that experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. And it's certainly, I, I think that things won't necessarily go back mm. completely to the way that they were before. I know my, my wife used to have to travel around a lot on the trains and was very frustrated because uh, as a lawyer, her work tends to be paid for by external people. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult for people to justify first class travel. But if she can't travel first class, then she finds it very difficult to work in a very crowded train, but needs to. So that, that she finds difficult. I think COVID will mean that they won't do that quite so much anyway. So uh, the, there will be a lot more done on Zoom now that we've got used to, to, to doing yeah. that. I don't know about you, but I found Zoom was extremely exhausting when I first started doing it. Because I, I found I was doing Zoom meetings sometimes, you know, two, three times mm -hmm. a day. And the trying to sort of get those social cues is quite, it's quite different. But now there are, I think there are lots of things that we do now that, uh, that are very much more Zoom-based than they are when we're meeting each other. It's sort of mm -hmm. like the way people wait <laughs> and they're saying goodbye. If there's a big meeting of people and um, if, uh, if somebody's mute is on, sort of <laughs> doing these kinds of um, uh, messages so that people can understand. So it, there's been some value in it. I yeah, think. there was, I think, plenty of work that, uh, companies were convinced could not be done remotely that we found out very quickly that they could. And I've heard of places canceling their leases. They're not going back. So that's interesting. But Zoom fatigue yeah. is, it's real, even at this stage. If you're in enough of those meetings yeah. and you're looking at your own face and you're yeah. constantly looking at other people's faces and someone does something a little strange, was that were they looking at me? Were they looking at this? Did were they checking a text? Was yeah. it, you know, so there's all these other <laughs> You know, are they even in the meeting? Are they on Twitter? Are they? <laughs> you just don't know. But I do think it's created some accommodations that I hope are not going away. It's just wild to me that 
they used to sort of expect us to go into the office if we didn't feel well and just sort of share our germs with everyone, which sounds sort of unthinkable now. And I think there'll be a lot more flexibility where, you know, I'm not feeling very well. Maybe today I'll do what I need to do from home. And and I think that's great. I hope that's not going away. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right. I was just thinking about the, uh, the, the, the meeting on Saturday night last night where there are 40 people and how you know when to speak. <laughs> Some people are quite good at picking that moment and coming in and saying things, um, whereas other people seem to hold back more and they perhaps want to say something but don't feel like they get the opportunity. So, uh, again, I think chat uh, is, a, mm. is a good facility on a lot of these platforms which help people to um, who are perhaps a bit shy to get their points across. No, I, I agree. I personally tend to use the chat uh, quite a bit, especially when it seems like there's two people who are really in a conversation. I'm like, I don't want to interrupt, <laughs> but I also want to get this out of my head before I forget. So you know, just put it in the chat. But then you get yeah. some people where one of them's like, uh, 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 no, you, yeah. you, no, yeah. you, no, go, go. <laughs> we get polite to the, it's, it's almost to the point of paralysis, you know, nothing. <laughs> Nothing's happening. So it's like, oh, no, 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 you, uh, you go. (laughs) It's just us, you know, even a year in, I think we're still finding our way. And some people just really took to this, I think, a lot easier than others. Hmm. I will say my child's teachers (laughs) did not seem to be among that group. There was a lot of even coaching that was happening from parents or even the kids. I mean, she's my daughter's only seven, but some of the children in her class are just brilliant with zoom which is just incredible you know these students are having a really unique experience that's for sure and i think some of them will be stronger for it and some of them maybe not so much uh, especially i know some children in my daughter's class need some extra help and things like that and they're not not getting yeah. it at home yeah i think particularly where there are situations where people just have not got an internet connection so they're having to use their phones mm. to do all of their homework and there might be one phone between a family of sort of three or four people and that that must be very difficult so uh, i know there's been a few schools who have been sending laptops out to people to uh, to try and help mm-hmm. with that um, but that must be a great struggle yeah it's the same here covid really i think highlighted some of the more intense inequality at least in the state that that I live in and, and surely across our our whole country here in the US that you know you can give a student a laptop but that doesn't mean they're going to have reliable wi-fi that they're going to have a quiet place to do their work and like you said some just had one tablet that they were sharing amongst multiple kids and and the grown-ups so yeah it definitely I think shined a light on some things that were always kind of there, mm, yeah. but we weren't really talking about. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's very true. Was there anything that was sort of good that came out of everyone being together? Because I know you said your wife's been home, mm. you've been home, your your sons have been sort of home off and on. Was there anything that you're you're grateful for from the experience? Yeah, I think certainly we seem to value each other as family because we've had to look out for each other a lot more um we've also spent a lot more time together as well i've missed mm-hmm. i've missed my eldest son uh, but uh, the d- during this during this period there have been some things that we've had to make do so for christmas for example we always go away after christmas 
So we uh, we spend Christmas Day, have all the family here. Boxing Day, we just spend at home quietly. And then on the 27th, we travel down to Cornwall in the southeast of England. And But this Christmas, we decided that we were going to go to Cornwall for Christmas, but just as us as a family. And Tom was coming, mm. his girlfriend was coming. So there were going to be six of us down there. And we'd planned for all that. We bought lots of stuff that we were going to take down. And then the sort of lockdown came again. And so suddenly we had to stay at home. And it caused some angst and even slight argument at, stay, at some stages because we were mm. interpreting the rules slightly differently, which, of course, everybody's doing. And then the, when the announcement came that it was going to be this big lockdown, it made it much easier for us, really. And so we all just agreed in the end, look, we're just going to stay here and, and, uh, and make do. Uh, it would be silly to try and travel. So, uh, yeah, we've, so sometimes you get used to these little luxuries. But what, it, what we actually did mm-hmm. is we stayed at home and we just made Christmas a different thing again. And, uh, and, and we did enjoy it. It was just very different um, having to um, see um, Heidi's parents on a Zoom meeting uh, rather than in, in, in person. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we actually saw Santa over zoom this year speaking <laughs> speaking of christmas someone someone made the virtual grotto and uh <laughs> and santa came on and my daughter was very impressed he knew so many things about her before he even <laughs> signed on he he inquired about her cats by name and she was <laughs> i didn't know santa kept track of the cats i think i had sort of geared myself up for oh this is going to be slightly weird and sad and then it wound up being lovely and and she was so excited to have Santa's attention for so long and then she's can I see Santa on the computer next year too and oh I don't know if they're going to still hopefully we won't need to do it that way I don't know if this business will still be viable by then but maybe I mean I don't know yeah (laughs) chances are it will be but yeah we'll see yeah the other thing that Tom suggested that we do this year was that uh, we had to make this sort of formal thing about watching there's a film that we all love and it's uh, it's well it's well known it's called Elf uh, with Will yeah. Ferrell in and so we we had to make we had this thing where we sat down and all watched uh, that as pro- part of our getting ready for Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful! Yes, we are big Elf yes. fans here <laughs> as well. It- I mean, I think the first time I saw it, I said, I don't know why, but I just have a feeling this is going to become some strange Christmas classic for a lot of families. And, and I think it really has. I mean, it's been out for for a few years yeah. now, but I think every, every year we watch it. Yeah, yeah. well, I did. A, I actually did a podcast episode on it at Christmas. So one of my bonus things was was like a Christmas film review, <laughs> so, re- reviewing various, various sort of classic films. And uh, so Elf was included in that. Oh, I'm trying to think. What would be ours? Definitely Elf. And uh, my daughter always wants to watch Home Alone around yeah. Christmas time because I think that's got some Christmas elements to yeah. it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's an, that's, that's, that's the other big one, I think. There's, there's, those are the two, two really big mm-hmm. Christmas films that we, uh, we, we tend to watch. And then people love to argue about Die Hard, <laughs> you know. Is it? 
is it a Christmas film or just a film that's set during a Christmas party, you know? <laughs> well, it was included in my Christmas film review, so. <laughs> I mean, I I am inclined to agree. <laughs> and then I think there's a, the uh, the other one is the adult uh, one, which is um, The Holiday. I don't know if you've come across that one with uh, Jack Black, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law. Um, so there's this uh, when they, they swap holiday homes. Oh, that. Yes, I think I've seen that sounds so familiar. And, yeah, there's there's a f- a film so a guy who was uh, involved in Hollywood who's the old guy that's the next door neighbor that that uh, that is part of the relationship as well. Um so that's another one that we tend to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you or anyone in your family pick up quarantine hobbies? Uh, there are a few. I think, firstly, well, for me, podcasting is, uh, is one of the things that's come out of it, of course. <laughs> and another thing is that during the lockdown, in fact, behind me, there is a picture which you can see on the wall, which is of mm-hmm. a smiling frog. And this, because we're, we're actually doing a practice refurb at the moment. And because I was looking through Pinterest at various um, things that I wanted to include in the practice, the, the this image of this frog appeared and so as part of that I investigated who who the artist was and then I found on his website that this original was still um, for sale so I ended up contacting the uh, the guy in Holland and we ended up with um, uh, a few emails going back and forth and then suddenly you know one day this uh, frog appear, appeared and um, so I bought I bought this frog, and so that's one of the pieces of work that will go into the uh, practice. But the the interesting thing is that he's doing a course as well, which I've joined, and so I'm actually learning. And he's he sort of follows through various ideas and how you can uh, put put different ideas together. And so one of the things I've decided to do is, as part of this, is to do some work so one of them is going to be in fact i've started it where there's a toothbrush and that which makes the sort of bottom half of the picture and on the top just sort of trotting over the toothbrush bristles is a large hippo and so that is going to be this sort of junction of these two strange things but the shape of the hippo is a little bit like the shape of the toothpaste that would normally go mm. onto the toothbrush and so the and uh, I'm calling it hippodontia because there's a term in dentistry called hypodontia where people are missing teeth. So hippodontia relates the hippo to the tooth, tooth toothbrush uh, piece. So that's one of six pieces that I'm going to put together, um, which will hang around the practice. So that's my hobbies. Um, and um, I think well, Heidi's done a little bit of yoga, and Joe's been playing his piano, and he's been having his Zoom. Uh, his, his piano lessons on Zoom, so that's been mm. his big uh, big thing. And uh, Dan's done a little bit of running, um, but he's very much into his art anyway. So he's he's been doing quite a lot of that that kind of thing with um, uh, with his girlfriend. So he did um, a picture of his girlfriend's cat, which uh, is is really good. And uh, I think she did um, she did a picture of of, of our dog as well. So uh, so they've been sort sort of swapping those sorts of. Uh, those sorts of things uh, so yeah it's been quite quite an interesting thing isn't it that, that we without having to travel there, there are these other little things that we can fit into our lives that we perhaps couldn't do before mm-hmm. no i i agree and for me 
podcasting as well. My daughter takes dance classes through <laughs> through Zoom. You know, we find ways to adapt and to fill our time and be yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> That, my friends, is our show. Many thanks to my guest, Rob Slater. Rob was one of the first people to allow me to practice my interviewing skills in the workshop. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being one of my earliest supporters. You can catch more of Rob and Dad Sofa every Saturday on dadsofa.com. And thank you, listener, for joining today. Texting from the bathroom is me. Evelyn Moon. Music is by Esteban Del Pino. You can catch future episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you catch your favorite podcasts.